Hi, this is David Vincent, and I'm the superintendent of schools for the Wiley Independent School District, and I'm joined by my co-host, Amanda Martin. Hi, I am the director of counseling services in the Wiley Way, and welcome to the Achieving Kids podcast. This is a conversation featuring experts and subjects related to raising happy, successful children in today's world. On each broadcast, parent guests will join in and provide their perspective on current trends and issues our kids face in school, society, and at home. Our goal is to provide a better understanding of how the decisions we make help promote the best interests of our kids and community. We will tackle big subjects, entertain different viewpoints, but the focus will always be on equipping you with the strategies that will help them become achieving kids. So here's the thing. Today, we are here with our favorite person, Dr. Kelly Jamison. Amanda, it's going to be pretty fun, isn't it? Yes, I'm so excited. And I want to learn today as a mom, too. Well, and as a dad, I know it all. And so <laughs> I don't even have to worry about this. But we're talking about the thing I get a lot of questions about, Dr. Jamison, is transitions. And... um I was a principal at an intermediate school in a high school. And when a kid went from elementary to the more responsibility-driven intermediate campus, which is grades five and six, and then when you went from an eighth grader to being a ninth grader when, you know, courses counted, you're in the band and you're staying there till 10 o'clock at night, and that's the expectation, it's a big transition. And so what we would love to talk to you about today is how transitions work. Right. So when our kids move from elementary to intermediate and then from intermediate to junior high and junior high to high school, the campuses themselves, the secondary campuses will host a tour. So like the fourth graders will go to the intermediate to see the campus and meet some faces and things like that. So we try to help them here but we know it takes like everyone to kind of work through these transitions. So from the parent perspective, we'll start there. What are some things that they can do at home to help their kids prepare for leaving their, you know, homeschool as an elementary and then going to intermediate and then from intermediate to junior high and junior high to high school? Right. So I think transitions can really be summed up in the way you use language to talk about them. So a lot of, you know, take any of those divisions that you mentioned, you know, it's often very fear-based the way that it's presented. Like, well, in high school, they're not going to ask you for your homework. They're going to assume that you know where to turn it in. And it's always this fear mongering about the next step is not going to put up with your inefficiencies. Yeah. So So it creates like a scare tactic almost, so that kids walk into the next phase thinking, I'm not ready. Mm. Because we expect so much more out of each development. So it's really in the, the messaging that occurs and in the language that's used with the current teachers about what's next. I think that I've been fear-mongering my whole life as a parent model. <laughs> I don't know that that's true. I really probably need to think about that, You're right? reflecting on your... <laughs> Well, think about, you know, we were just talking about spring break before we started here and think about the way you talk to your kids about a spring break. Mm -hmm. Like we're going here, we're going to do this. It's going to be so much fun. And, you know, like my kids, we just went skiing and they've never skied before, but it was all about excitement and you'll be able to figure it out. That's not the way we're pitching middle school. That's not the way. When you get there, you'll know nothing, but we expect you to ski. Exactly. So (laughs) they walked into that. Exactly. Don't fall. It's all in the messaging. They expected to have fun. They expected to fall down, right? Mm -hmm. It was in the delivery. It was in the 
the preemptive language that we used, but that's not what's happening in schools. Mm -hmm. It's like, they're going to expect this of you. You better get ready now. That's so important. And so true. <laughs> so talk to us about the language that we should use. I mean, what would be that language that would be appropriate and helpful that would transition in a better way? Well, I mean, we have to be in a good place when we talk to our kids about the next step, right? We have to, we have to message excitement. We have to message a growth mindset. We have to message, you know, you're not going to know everything. You're not going to know where you're going. You want to share stories about your first day of middle school or mm -hmm. you forgot your locker combination or you sat in the wrong science lab for an hour. <laughs> you know, we have to share yeah. some of that normalcy so that they can expect that it's not going to be perfect. And, uh, and honestly, I think some books and movies, you know, mm -hmm. have helped in mm -hmm. that, like The Diary of a Wimpy Kid and a lot of middle school movies right now have normalized some of that and, mm -hmm. and made it seem kind of silly and fun yeah. that it's a little awkward. Right. So I think that's been helpful. Um, but otherwise, otherwise we can just the way we talk to our kids about it is really driving the bus on all of this and our teachers, too. Yeah. What if the parents are nervous? I mean, because they are, I was, you know, and so what can, what can moms and dads do to prepare themselves? Well, they need to educate themselves outside the presence of their child. Okay. So go to the parent meetings, go to the parent orientations, the open houses, equip themselves and arm themselves with all the information they have so that they're not just verbally processing with their child. <laughs> about what's yeah. happening and then the child stop doing that too. Like, are we child, all freaking out or is it just me <laughs> right right and then the child picks up on that nervous energy but if you can do your recon work prior to talking with your child about it you know that they're going to pick up on your on your energy so it's equipping yourself with the information that you need before you sit down and talk to your child about that experience yeah and it seems like they're i have two different very different personalities of children and how we even approach that is tailored to the particular personality mm -hmm. one who wants to know everything right and one who really wants to have the experience on their own and doesn't want a lot of the details they're going to be associated with the things we would seem important that she may or may not think is important that doesn't have to do with the entertainment value of school so mm -hmm. Yeah, my kids are very different too. Um, my middle child is a girl and she has like anxiety about new things, even on a day where it's a spirit day and she has to wear a spirit shirt rather than her uniform. Mm -hmm. She gets so nervous. We have to show her the email and we have to cross check it that today is the actual day on the calendar that coincides with the email. Yeah. And even then she'll like roll up into carpool and make sure people are getting out of the car with their spirit shirts on. But we know that about her. So now we've sort of changed what we do at home. So the night before we say, tomorrow's a spirit day. Remember, you're going to wear jeans. You're not going to wear your uniform. So we do all that the night before, because otherwise, if we wait until the morning, it's total chaos. So you know your kids and you kind of figure it out. So you already know raising these children, mm -hmm. who are your slow transitioners, who are your fearful transitioners. You kind of know all that. Yeah. in general by just raising these people um but you parent them differently yeah you just got to take the time to be thoughtful about it and plan that into your schedule well and i think that i mean there's some normal things to expect from ourselves from transitions right like there's fears and anxieties even if your kid's gone through before and it's your second kid or third kid mm -hmm. what are just some normal natural things to expect some feelings to expect. So when parents or kids have them, they don't think, what's wrong with me? Am I the only one feeling like this? Mm -hmm. 
yeah, just e explaining to them nervousness versus excitement. You know, mm -hmm. they feel they feel similar in your body because they function for that way. Mm -hmm. You know, your body's preparing itself for something new. Mm -hmm. So to tell a child or, or a parent really not to be nervous is not fair because that's just a very normal physiological response to something new. Yeah. So mm -hmm. you just, you package it the same, you know, nerves before speaking in front of people or walking into a new school is the same as the nerves right before the start of your soccer game or your mm -hmm. football game, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's all, it works well to just prepare your body. And the more we can normalize all of that for kids, it feels less wrong. It should feel right. You know, I w did something professionally big and one of my mentors said, he said, how are you doing? I said, well, I'm nervous and excited. And he's like, that's exactly the way these things should be teed up. Mm. And him just saying mm. that to me was <clears throat> all I needed to hear moments before like a big event. Yeah. And I think if we can say that to kids, you know, I've tried to use that more with my own kids. Mm -hmm. Like you should feel nervous. You should feel excited. Yeah. It makes them think, oh, okay, I am doing this correctly. So one of the things that I've tried to do is, especially during the high school transition, they trust me, but they take all their advice from the coach or the mm -hmm. kid that is older than them and try to get those people to not bring them over to the house or anything, obviously, but reiterate yeah. that message in a way that they don't get freaked out is why is that important? Why do they listen to them so much more than us? And is that even a good, valuable way to get things across? Right. So a lot of adults say the exact same thing that parents say, but kids just expect that you're supposed to make the kid, your child feel better. So <laughs> it has lower value than someone else who doesn't have to say those things, but they choose to say it. It has a higher value for them, Yeah. which is why coaches are so important and, mm -hmm. and other, other important adults in their life who didn't give birth to them mm -hmm. or yes. live with them. So we say that across the board, coaches, um, youth group leaders, the cool aunt, the, the nice neighbor, like people that are really invested in them mm -hmm. because a child perceives their messaging much different than mom or dad. Cause mom and dad, they, they believe have to say these things yeah. and the other person doesn't have to. So mm -hmm. therefore it just means more. And oftentimes it's literally the exact same, same thing. thing. Oh, yeah. I'll say that afterwards. <laughs> Which is not healthy. For yeah, right. Yeah. I told you that already. Yeah. Want to reiterate, kids, right. cat and cow. Mm -hmm. That's the way it goes, right? Well, when we have all our students, like I think working up here and then being a former counselor and especially teachers on the campus, they're kind of used to seeing um, the kids grow. You know, they're like these constant growing adolescents. So. If you're a fifth grade teacher, you kind of understand what the fifth graders are going to do and the sixth graders. And mm -hmm. with that, those new experiences, new friendships, all of that, kids make mistakes, you know. And so we always say we hope they make the mistake at school so we can see it, talk to them about it, guide them through it. Um, but that's hard for parents when they want to protect their kid and they yeah. don't want to think that their kid did something wrong. Um, because it's a call home from school, if it's about something negative, it's just scary and overwhelming for pretty much even the smallest thing to the biggest thing. Um, but if a mistake happens at school, if the kid's messed up and the parent has to call, I mean, the school calls home, what are some things that parents could should consider? I mean, that feeling of defensiveness is, I feel like is a natural feeling for them to have. But at the same time, we, we want the kids to grow and learn from a mistake. Do you have any thoughts on that or how we could how parents can respond to help their kid grow? I think that one really depends on parenting style. Okay. Right. Some parents are really cool and they recognize that 
okay, now what? You know, mm-hmm. and they can sort of laugh about it. And then you get the defensive parents. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that points to a whole host of factors within parents. Okay. And we could go into a whole thing about the shift in parenting, you know, about child development versus child achievement and all of that. But I, th- I really think that's a parenting style. Again, the way that it's messaged from mm-hmm. the school, you know, when I used to be a school counselor, I would call home and say, hey, as a parent, I would want to know this, mm-hmm. you know, rather than saying, hello, this is Dr. Jameson <laughs> calling, you know, we've had an incident at the school. <laughs> yeah. The delivery of it, you <laughs> right. know, it's just the delivery of it. Um, but that's a hard one to answer just because it really depends on the parenting style. If you have perfectionistic parents mm-hmm. who have a lot invested in this child and, um, you know, there was one way to be and they're on, they expect one trajectory of their child versus the parent that's more easygoing. Um, that's good. That's a totally different story. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one depends. Right. It also depends on what you're calling about. Right. Did they get caught stealing out of the cafeteria or did they say something harmful to someone on the playground? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, that one's, that's, that's difficult. I think it depends on the parent and how you deliver that message. And I think we all feel like it's your, we expect kids to mess up at some point. Yeah. They're just growing people, learning new things. So mm-hmm. I know it's so scary when a school calls, but really they're not usually like crazy angry. They're just like, Hey, this happened and we want you to know and mm-hmm. help your kid. Mm-hmm. Well, in our situation too, I always go back to Seligman when he talked about Seligman, the, for parents, you don't mind. No, he did father of positive psychology, basically in the last uh, 50 years or so, 40 years or so. I think the book's The Optimistic Child. I don't even remember what the book is actually called, but he, he talks about the idea that when we have self-esteem and we've focused on self-esteem for the last 40, 50 years, it's had a deg- negative effect in some ways because, in effect, what we've done is there's a problem, there's an issue or a challenge, and we've asked our kids to avoid pain, avoid those things, move around it, not move through it. So... Can you speak to that? What can we do as schools and families to help our kids maybe learn how to accept that and get some coping skills? Mm-hmm. Right. So in the early 2000s, let's say, it was the introduction of the helicopter parent. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. and then that generation launched, launched and then they actually failed to launch. So we quickly realized the helicopter parenting does not work because we're not equipping our kids. Now we have a new word called the lawnmower parent. And I think this is what you're referring to. It's the parent that really prepares the path for the child. You know, just think of the imagery. The helicopter parent was one that just sort of watched the child Mm -hmm. as they moved around and Mm -hmm. would sort of help them and assist. But the lawnmower parent, which is what we're seeing now, is the one that really paves the way. Like, for example, in the headline news right now about these celebrity and yeah. politicians' parents who are buying their child's Aunt college Becky. acceptance. Yes, right, yes. That is the ultimate lawnmower parent is mm-hmm. I'm going to stand in front of you, prepare the path so that you get a nice, clean road to walk. Wow. Which is obviously the absolute backwards way of parenting. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is these kids actually do go to college or they grow up and they launch into the real world and they have no coping skills. Right. So, and then parents have, you know, come into my office with their hands in the air going, what happened? It's like, well, you didn't give them a chance to figure out how to fail and pick up the pieces or make a mistake and ask forgiveness or do things differently. You just prepared too nice of a path for them. And then when they were on a new path that you did not create, they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. So we're getting lots of smart, smart kids 
crash and they come home from college because they couldn't quite figure it out because we didn't give them an opportunity in high school or middle school or elementary school to mess up and to make mistakes and to figure out what do I do when I don't know what to do. So we, we're, we're in their way too much, which is the biggest shift in parenting is we have to get out of the way. So you talked a little bit about child development and child achievement. What were those? I'm not very familiar with that field of study and basically what you're talking about as it relates to that shift. What is that shift? Right. So historically, it has been about child development, right? right? About um, yeah. fostering the authentic mm -hmm. self and yeah. having them figure out who they are. But there's been a shift that it's now about child achievement, even our smallest children, right? And right. elementary school, it's like, what well, did you get pulled out for the special math class? Mm. All right, so there is an emphasis on child achievement, which is hindering child development. So parents, or I'm sorry, adults are getting in the way of child development, and we are prioritizing child achievement, which is generally based on metrics. Yes. Um, and there is an emphasis on that. So we are we are interfering with child development because we have prioritized child achievement. What are they good at? What are their scores? What club teams are they on? Right. What Duke tip? math program have they been tapped for in elementary school you know what have they been invited to um in terms of competitions for academics or sports or fine arts so you know i like to say kids are the new black like if your mm -hmm. child mm -hmm. is yeah. successful you the whole family looks successful mm -hmm. and that's an example of child achievement versus child development wow think about think about your parents or my parents or your parents mm -hmm. growing up I mean, I'm the youngest of three girls. I'm not sure my parents could even tell you what grade I was in most of the time, <laughs> right? That was child development. That's right. I took gymnastics class on Tuesday nights for one hour, mm -hmm. and that was it. And I played in the backyard, and I rode my bikes. That's child development. Child achievement now looks very different. And I'm, I'm guilty of this. I have three kids myself, like middle school and elementary school. And I can tell you every teacher, I could probably tell you where they are this very minute right. in terms right. of their schedule. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm embarrassed to say, but they all play multiple sports every season. <laughs> right. right. So that, like, I'm guilty of it too. Like I have bought into the child achievement versus the child development. And we all do that. But to be um, honest, our whole world is different because we start measuring you from a reading perspective, from a math perspective, and pretty legitimately because we're going to be evaluated on it mm -hmm. throughout life, and especially as it relates to STAR or PSAT, ACT, and all those things. Um, it's a globally competitive world, and, 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 and that's a, it's so nice to talk about this because you don't want it to get out of whack. I mean, but what is the balance on that? Well, I think it, it's important, yes, to figure out where our kids are and who needs help. And we need to, as educators, need to understand those metrics, but we don't need to be sharing them. Right. Right. That, that, should, that should inform the way administrators structure mm -hmm. and facilitate school. Right. But it should not be at the forefront of the students' awareness. Right. That should not be informing them. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I believe they're important. I don't think we should throw out metrics at all, but there's a place for it. Right. And it's administrative meetings. Mm -hmm. And as you're planning and figuring out what the needs are, that's when it should inform. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't have kids being able to sort of roll off their scores. Right. Yeah, Carol Dweck talks a lot about that because when she talks about the growth mindset is that when you recognize a kid for their achievement rather than their effort, 
we um, really diminish, you know, their ability to think because really you're rewarding the achievement, not the effort, right? Absolutely. Yes. We have a in the in the Vincent house, we have a sign out of each on each door. And uh, I'll tell you a funny story about that. But it says that BLE Vincent level effort. And so you're we reward and I talk about effort. And so one day I was eating dinner and the, none of the kids had been trying all week. So I went and threw them in the trash. Oh Wait, what did you say? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I took the signs and I She's threw them like, in the trash. She's like, could you clarify this? And, uh, and so I'm saying I've got a PhD in curriculum, a character education. And I went and threw those signs in the trash and says, nobody's giving any effort. And, and I have a wonderful wife that is wiser than myself. And the kids were just kept eating. You know what I'm saying? It was, mm-hmm, they were, mm-hmm. you know, they were not too worried about it, but. At the end of the day, I was saying, I keep telling them, y'all, this world is about people don't give the kind of effort. And, you know, your world is, is based on your level of kindness and your level of effort and things. And it's just, uh, Dweck would support that, right? Not throwing the signs away, of course. <laughs> but No, I completely agree. And again, it's in the messaging. Had you, you know, sat down instead and, and pulled up their current grades and had a conversation about their current grades. That's very different than what you messaged about effort, mm-hmm. right? You're looking for the same outcome, oh, yeah. but you're getting there differently. Oh yeah. And I was, yeah, I still, I, there's moments where I'm thinking that the, that, uh, that I worry about that because effort is something that when, again, when you reward achievement and, so, and you know, you're going to see that, that it's really going to put our kids cause they want, and they get, they get a medal for everything these days. Mm-hmm. Well, I also have a hard time with parents who pay their children for their grades. Yeah. I have a hard time with this. You know, there's a lot of parents who will pay for an A, for a B. And and some kids are incentivized by that. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But let's let's choose something different. I have a hard time with that. And um, it, it provides the wrong carrot for the child. Right. But there's a lot of parents who will just pay for that or older kids. They will, you know, their, their son has been in Boy Scouts for a long time. Mm-hmm. And as he gets closer to Eagle mm-hmm. Scout, you know, level, he's sort of done with it. And, and the parents are like, I will pay you to finish your Eagle Scout. Really? Oh, yes. I was yes. an Eagle Scout, but my, I don't think my parents knew that I was in Boy Scouts. So <laughs> that was, it was funny. They did. Right. But there's, but. there's just too much monetary incentives in terms of grades and schools and education in terms of parenting it's like come on that's a that's the easy button that's the easy button if you need to incentivize your child paying them for grades um, i just think that sends all sorts of wrong messages about school right well and what we emphasize here in wiley is that the achievement is the marker along the way towards what you're going to do in terms of pursuing your passions and your goals and your focus towards graduating from high school and being productive that in and of itself, it's just so hard and so difficult as a parent not to, you know, recognize that, hey, you just won this award or do those things. But, but some kids get at it really easy. Some kids have to struggle. Even in my own family, you worry about that because sometimes when a kid achieves all the time and they don't struggle, then you're worried about because mm-hmm. you're saying, mm-hmm. like Amanda and I were talking about, you want them to struggle while they're there because you're worried about what's going to happen with it because they will struggle. Mm-hmm. Life is going to hand them something. Right. And I tell all the kids that come see me, whether they're struggling socially or they're struggling academically, mm-hmm. everyone, no one gets a pass. Right. Everyone gets a struggle card. Mm-hmm. Yes. What box is punched is going to be different, mm-hmm. but nobody gets away without a struggle. 
for for you it's academic for you it's social for you it's some family conflict Mm -hmm. nobody gets a free pass and that helps normalize you know because they look around because we do this you know we put on our public personas and we go to work and we go to school and we try to put our best foot forward but if you're a developing child or a teenager and you look around and everyone else seems like they have no problems it's suddenly a very isolating and lonely experience but to hear that everybody struggles with something they're like oh this is mine and oftentimes i will say would you rather have divorced parents or would you rather have an academic problem yeah and every time they say no like you know when you when you really give it to them (laughs) of all the problems i'm gonna use that is this the one (laughs) would you rather have a different one and every time they say no yeah so we're getting into this last nine weeks Mm -hmm. before our kids graduate and as a high school principal i would share with my mom and dads you're gonna want to hug your kid and you're gonna want to have them leave their home as quickly as you can and sometimes (laughs) it's during the same day and so all of these things are mixing in people's heads everyone's in these emotional states Mm -hmm. kids us we're gonna i'm gonna miss these seniors that are leaving but more importantly parents so do you want to talk a little bit about that yeah so i mean we know that it brings pride and fear you know with moms and dads and what can they do? What can parents do to help? Um, and their kids feel the same way. I mean, we talk to the seniors. I mean, they're over it. You know, they're over school and all that, which fine. That's all things. But then they are going to go do something else, whether it's work or college. A lot of them leave the house. So it's kind of an overwhelming feeling for the kids and the parents. So let's start with parents. What can parents do to help themselves and help their seniors? First of all, I love this topic. This is one of my favorites because it is so emotionally loaded. Yes. Someone said this to me once and I said, oh, I'm going to steal that and use it all the time. That the last nine weeks of the senior year is like an airplane descent where you can feel it going down. So you start, you know, gathering your things, throwing away your trash. You're trying to figure out, okay, where am I going next? Yes. I mean, isn't that the perfect exactly analogy right. for what's happening? It's right. like yes. the flight is over. You know, you've got about 20 minutes to gather your things, figure <laughs> out what gate you need to get to. That is basically what's wow. happening senior year. Like mm-hmm. the kid, like you said, the kids are checked out. They're thinking, what's next? I'm over this. Pack up my belongings and let's get out of here. There's moms crying right now. I know. Listening to this, <laughs> which right. is kind and of they my stomach hurt. And I don't even have a senior. Oh, yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it depends. It depends if it's your first one leaving or your fourth one leaving. It's a very different mindset. Um, but what can parents do? Wow. Find a therapist quickly. I, mean, I kid you not. I have parents who will come see me in the spring solely to get through the season because they can not even talk about it without tearing up or breaking down. Right. It is such an emotional experience. Um, and they sit through all the orientations and they, they know what's happening and they know how to talk about money and grades. But like letting that child go is not something anyone talks to you about. Right. And they just cannot handle it. And oftentimes they will have a spouse who will say, oh, he's ready. You know, it's just a yeah. very different mindset. And that can be a lonely experience, too. So it's important for parents to find people who are like minded. Mm-hmm. If you're launching your first one and you're having a hard time with it, find other parents that are launching their first one who are having a hard time with it and then commiserate together, you know, figure out what you're going to do next. There's a there's a movement of generally moms, but not always um, who they're big into these care packages 
they have yes. these care package parties. Yes. It is totally no, group no, therapy, no, no, basically. So after their child leaves for college, it's, if it's their first or whenever, they're just having a hard time with it, they will start having monthly or bi-monthly um, care package parties at someone's house where I'd be responsible for bringing all the Twizzlers and you'd be responsible for bringing all the goldfish. And they get together and it, they just pack these boxes for their kiddos and they mail them to college. But it's a chance for them to meet and connect and talk about what's oh, going on. Yeah. I mean, it's basically group therapy, yes. <laughs> like packaged literally and figuratively <laughs> as um, care packages, right? So my advice is find the people who you know are feeling the same way as you and get together. Because mm -hmm. oftentimes it's not gonna be your spouse. Mm -hmm. But if you have a small group of friends that you can do that with, it's very helpful to, to get through it. Is there a good story of senior mom's gone wrong i mean is there is there do you want to <laughs> tell us any of that is there something about this to avoid maybe senior mom's gone wrong that's great i don't mean it sounds you know like I mean. it's yeah, TV yeah, show. yeah yeah that's yeah. right yeah because i mean um, there are some times when that if somebody else could hear it for someone else maybe it would help them yeah. avoid having the crash and burn because i i can feel you can feel their pain yeah. you mm -hmm. can feel their i love my baby and they're gonna yeah. leave me so, so the mentality should be with the, with this person is less is more, right? Because they want to go all in, and this these parents they want to instill every bit of wisdom while trying to manage this cascade of emotions oh, that they're yeah. experiencing. I mean, it is it's a hot mess. You know, mm -hmm. it is in the summer before leading up to it. It is so emotionally loaded. It has to be. I think it rivals the first year of parenthood in general. Mm -hmm. Just wow. you know, imagine remember the first year of parenthood. Oh yeah absolutely like blows your mind yes. yes right well imagine feeling all of that but in the other way you're not you're not learning <laughs> to deal with this person you're learning to let that person go mm -hmm. like you can in my mind they're similar experiences mm -hmm. they really are um and i haven't experienced this yet personally my kids are little but just watching these parents struggle is heartbreaking mm -hmm. heartbreaking so you just have to sit with them and be patient and it's a grief process mm -hmm. i mean it really is it's a loss and they have to learn how to manage that and do that in a very healthy way and if you can surround yourself with other people that are doing it it makes it so much more or less painful wow well i think this mm -hmm. is the best way that we could have ever imagined about preparing kids or any final thoughts any things that just you want to share as far as this subject to transition yeah, I often talk with parents about um, before your child goes to college, let's do mm -hmm. college, for example, is, you know, three things you really need to sort out with them before they go. And that's you need to discuss and identify how you're going to communicate when your child leaves. You need to discuss and identify finances and great expectations. Oh. Those are the three big ones. A lot of parents, this is such a painful process that they're just in denial of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they'll spend all summer at Bed Bath & Beyond because they think that's the important thing. Right. Yes. To like yeah. get all the sheets and the towels and the waste baskets and things right. like that. But really you want to talk to your child about finances, communication, and great expectations. And then also I think really, really important is to not paint the picture that college is this utopian experience that yeah. is going to be all fun and rainbows and unicorns and parties and pretty people all around and you and all the professors are going to blow your mind with the wisdom right you know i think we oftentimes sell them something that is not always true oh yeah and then they come back or they'll they'll call me mm -hmm. a month or six weeks into it and say you know i was duped this mm -hmm. isn't 
what everyone thought it was. Oh yeah. But we do that as parents because we want them to be excited about it, that we paint this picture of, you know, football games and parties and matching bedspreads and monogram pillows. And then they get there <laughs> and like, oh, this is just life in a different city. Right. It so really we is. need to just sort of tone it down a notch and prepare them in a way that's neutral, but also supportive, but not thinking they're like moving to Disneyland. So the messaging should still be positive and growth mindset, but not, but still based Realistic. in reality. Yes, right. absolutely. Yeah, because that would be a different transition. I could see ourselves doing that. Yes, like hyping them up because you want them to be okay and not scared that they're now doing a life without you. Yeah. I've been getting called to do a lot of um, talks with senior students about how to prepare for this. And it's mm -hmm. a lot about mental health and mm -hmm. how to recognize if you feel yourself crashing a little bit or feeling a little off because yeah. you're around people who don't know you, who, right. don't, who wouldn't recognize a change in your mood or behavior, how to recognize that in yourself so that yeah. you have that awareness as you're launching into a new city with all new people. Moms, dads, good luck. You know, we're going to make these transitions. We're going to make them together. It's going to be wonderful. It, but preparing you is the Wiley way. Thanks, Dr. Jameson. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, guys.